The scripture reading for today is taken from the Gospel of Luke. We're continuing our way through the Gospel of Luke and we've reached the verses 22 to 25. So prior to this, Jesus has been traveling around, he's been preaching, and he has been teaching. And now he and his disciples prepare to enter into a boat and set sail to another region where he can carry on with his ministry. This is what we find here in Luke chapter 8, verse 22. And if you have a pew Bible, you'll be able to find that on page 1191. Now it happened on a certain day that he, that is Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So far, the word of God. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, have you ever been tired, so exhausted that all you want to do is just stretch out and sleep? Maybe you're there right now and you are feeling stretched thin, feeling worn out. That's where our Lord was during our passage today. He's finished preaching day after day, week after week. People want his attention all the time. Everyone wants something from him. And he's been joyfully giving it. He has compassion on the crowds wherever he sees them. But now, for a little while, he's able to have a rest as they travel across the Sea of Galilee. Now for a little while, as he stretches out in the bottom of the boat, he can finally sleep, rocked by the boat as it carries him across the sea. He's surrounded by his friends who are doing what they love best. Some of them are seasoned fishermen. And a quiet trip over the water is not just a way for them to get from point A to point B, but it's also a way for them to catch a little bit of a breather, just to settle into something that's a familiar routine for them. They hardly have to think about it. It's second nature to them. You can imagine it's comfortable for them, comforting for them, and certainly comforting for us to see our Lord lying there in the bottom of the boat. Not because we're happy that 
he's exhausted, but because it reminds us that he understands us. Him lying in the bottom of the boat, so tired that he doesn't even wake up as the wind begins to pick up, reminds us that even in our weakness, even in our most tired moments, he gets it. Our Lord understands. And he has compassion on us when we reach those times. You young moms, when your day-to-day task with your babies and your young children stretch you thin, you fathers, as you deal with the stresses surrounding work and supporting your families, you elders and deacons, as you carry out your work in the congregation, you pray to the Lord and you know that he's not far off, not unable to understand us. Instead, he knows, he knows when we're tired. He knows what we're experiencing. He's so tired that he doesn't even notice as those winds pick up, not just a little bit, but they start to howl. The disciples do, though. Oh yes, they notice the wind. These men who were with Jesus on this occasion were professional fishermen. They were seasoned by the winds and the rain. They knew every nook and cranny of this body of water, and they had been out on the Sea of Galilee hundreds of times. They know. They know the danger that they are suddenly in. You see, the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains on every side, and the landscape there can do terrifying things to this sea, this small body of water. One commentator describes what happens around this landscape in this way. A violent wind can blow up suddenly, moving across the landscape and through valleys that become wind tunnels, compressing the air so that it comes swooshing across the lake without any warning, turning that calm and gentle body of water into a raging, tumultuous fury. Many people have lost their lives as a direct result of these storms on the Sea of Galilee. Not just in ancient days, but also in more modern days, this has been the case. These were violent storms. How would you respond to something like this? Jesus was teaching his disciples something here. It's not by accident that they find themselves in a place where they are completely helpless. Helpless in a place where they're usually in complete control, where they're usually going along with just the familiarity of the world all around them, finding peace and calm there. All of a sudden, even though they walk with the Lord, peace, familiarity, and safety are far from them. How do you respond in that kind of a situation where you're expected peace? Familiarity and safety are suddenly far from you. The disciples respond with terror. As the storm builds up, the storm that has suddenly hit them, and they're far from shore, they fight with the boat, and they cry out. They wake up their rabbi, their teacher, their Lord. Master! Master, we are perishing. 
They're terrified. This is a very human emotion when we run into things that we suddenly realize are, are well beyond us. We're terrified of what we can't control. We can reason with people, but we can't reason with natural disasters. We can't reason with other things that are far beyond us either. How do you reason with a, a flood? How do you reason with a storm? How do you reason with unexpected events that just rise up in your life? Jesus responds immediately. He wakes up, he stands up, he rebukes the storm. We read in the other Gospels that he says, Peace, be still. And the storm immediately obeys. The roaring waves are hushed. The howling winds soften to a whisper. Creation bends the knee in a moment, and calm once again covers the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus turns to them saying, where is your faith? You need to understand here, he isn't telling them that if they were stronger, they would just have been able to control the wind and the waves themselves. That they would have just been able to return the sea, return their life to its place of familiarity. Nor is he telling them that if they just reached deeper within themselves, they would have been able to keep that boat from sinking just on their own power. What he's saying is this. How can you be so afraid, so worried for your life, when the Lord of life is with you? You might think the response to being saved would be a relief for the disciples. But it's actually comforting for us to see the response of the disciples to the Lord Jesus, also to these words of the Lord Jesus. We'll see why in a moment. We read, they were afraid. When their reason for fear is removed, they were suddenly even more afraid. Why? Because they knew they were suddenly in the presence of something special. They were in the presence of the Holy One. What do we mean by that? Well, let me read to you from Psalm 65, verses 1 and 7. Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. And to you the vow shall be performed, you who still the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the peoples. They are realizing as they are looking at Jesus Christ, the one with control over the seas is Yahweh himself, the God of Israel, the God who created heavens and the earth. 
We see that in this psalm, Psalm 65. We see it coming out again in the other psalms, 29 verse 3, Psalm 65, Psalm 89, Psalm 93, Psalm 106, Psalm 107. We can think of the book of Jonah, for example, as well, where the Lord is the one who is in control of the seas. He is the one that brings the storms and stills them. They're looking at Jesus, this one who is standing before them, wielding the power of God, the power of Yahweh. Who is this? They ask. How would you answer that? It's our nature to try to put people into boxes, but Jesus has no box. In this question, who is this? We see that, yes, he is a man, But as they are looking at him, they are seeing that he is so much more than a man. He's God incarnate. He's God who has authority over the circumstances surrounding your life and who has authority over your life itself as well. He is completely unique in all the world, worthy of our complete devotion, our awestruck reverence. He is our Emmanuel. He is with us. The raging of the storm. And then it's quieting is the reminder of the one who is with us. For the disciples, it was one more step in slowly but surely confirming for them who Jesus is. He's building them up for a future. He's preparing them for a day when he will be going to the cross. And after that, for a day when he'll be taken up into heaven, he'll leave them behind. And for them, they need to be comforted and assured as they get the answer to that question, who is this? As you come to the table today, you'll be partaking in the body and blood of Christ. As you come to the table today, you too are answering the question, who is this? Maybe you are in a familiar place and all the world should be certain, but it's not. Where you should be at home and you should be comforted. You're not. The Lord reminds you again as you come to the table and as you take the body and blood of the, of the Lord, I am with you. I am. I'm your Emmanuel. Don't be scared. Don't be worried for your life because the Lord of life is with you. He grants us himself. He gives us himself as the answer to a faith that functions in the midst of pressure. He gives himself, true God and true man, Emmanuel, God with us, as the answer to the question, who is this? Take, eat, remember and believe that the Lord of life's body was broken for the complete forgiveness of all your sins and that he who is with you will never leave you or forsake you. Amen.